Welcome to the Evolution of Capitalism, Modern European History in its Global Context podcast. My name is Mate Rigu, and I have the pleasure to talk to anthropologist Gergő Pulai today. Gergő has just defended his dissertation at CEU titled Street Life, Value and Exchange in a Poor Neighborhood of Bucharest. So my first question is, could you tell me a little bit more about this neighborhood? Renta is basically uh, perhaps the most um, um, stigmatized, territorially stigmatized neighborhood of the city. Otherwise, um, it's quite often depicted both in journalistic accounts and uh, and uh, NGO discourses as, as a ghetto. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, but I would never use that concept in an analytic sense, not just because of uh, the aim of um, uh, avoiding kind of received concepts mm-hmm. um, from the U.S. in, in an Eastern European uh, environment, and uh, with that somehow you know importing a lot of assumptions um, about 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 uh, these areas, which are not necessarily mm-hmm. valid at all in, in our parts of the world. But I think it's also important that uh, that uh, that the concept of ghetto. Would uh, would create confusions because actually the inhabitants of the neighborhood themselves quite often use the notion of the ghetto, but with a particular reference mm-hmm. to the most dilapidated housing units within the neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, but not the whole neighborhood itself. Mm-hmm. Um, um, these are buildings that were uh, actually apartment blocks with studios. Uh, that are very badly equipped. Uh, initially, they were built in the early 1970s for uh, for single workers mm-hmm. who came to the city at that time for those great uh, um, industrial development projects of the communist state, such as the building of the metro. Mm-hmm. Um, and initially, these buildings were supposed to be only temporary shelters mm-hmm. for for, for this labor force, um, and they were not even fitting. Uh, actually, the way in which they were constructed, the way in which they um, um, uh, uh, appeared uh, in the in the, the urban texture, was not actually fitting the initial plans themselves. So it was really happening in a very very uh, you know um, hasty sort of a, a rapid uh, development. Um, and they were supposed to be demolished, but mm-hmm. of course this never happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and uh, especially after the, the the transition after '89, um, in the total you know property vacuum where nobody actually knew who, who, who has the full responsibilities for this kind of uh, building blocks. Of course, they became the main uh, shelters of of the poorest of the poor. In the city, basically, mm-hmm. those people who were not yet homeless but could have mm-hmm. been easily. So these are the buildings actually that uh, bear the name of ghettos. Also, as I said, amongst the inhabitants. But otherwise, uh, apart from them, the neighborhood rather resembles um, 
sort of a village in a city, urban, sometimes we say urban neighborhood. And in this sense, uh, it's quite interesting that uh, exactly because it was somehow always you know, at the margins of, of uh, the attention of uh, urban developers as an area, in a lot of ways, it, it's the, actually the neighborhood which uh, maintained the most from the kind of infrastructure, the built environment, the kind of types of streets that you can see, mm -hmm. the whole landscape that would resemble the most of uh, what usually we call the old urban mahalas, mahala mm -hmm. uh, of, of Bucharest, like you mm -hmm. know, is this uh, concept for the neighborhood, which originally appeared in the Romanian um, uh, territories um, as a, under the Ottoman mm -hmm. uh, suzerainty, the period of the Ottoman suzerainty. And initially it was, a, it was a, um, 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 an administrative term for, 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 for what we call neighborhood in English. Um, um, and it's very interesting to see that it is uh, from the middle of the 19th century where you can see the whole reorientation of urban developments, urban development and the city planners, their reorientation towards Western models of urbanism, especially French ones, from mm -hmm. the previous so-called mm -hmm. Ottoman, Ottoman yeah. uh, 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 Bucharest. So it's that time when, when, when the concept uh, starts to become an extremely pejorative one, mm -hmm. one that refers uh, necessarily to the margins, to the uh, uneducated boorishness, if you wish. Mahalaji um, is a Mahala dweller, neighborhood mm -hmm. dweller, became 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 an extremely pejorative concept, and this is the way it still mm -hmm. still exists. And um, you can actually trace back to these kind of uh, sources. I think much of the much of the attitudes against uh, the urban poor, mm -hmm. which we mm -hmm. still, you mm -hmm. can see, mm -hmm. it's quite widespread. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you mentioned the term margins and marginals um, many times, and, 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 you know, in Hungarian, one of the first volumes in the, in the 90s about the Roma minorities called the minority of minorities. So, I mean, obviously, it's a concept that's often hammered home, right? Margins. But I think what's so fascinating about your project is that you really show that there is you know, an actual agency of creating a livelihood and creating not just a community, but creating actual wealth, right, <laughs> in this neighborhood. I mean, you, you show that, you know, that, that there are different strategies. One strategy is to enter the official labor force, obviously on a lower level, you know, low-skilled factory worker or cleaner. But, you know, but, but many of the people um, that you've interviewed go to Western Europe and have, you know, really complex ideas about geopolitics, right? So what can we know about this? First of all, I would like to emphasize that uh, similarly to the way in which the concept of the ghetto is, 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 uh, is imported from a predominantly mm -hmm. U.S. academic environment, um, it's, it was the same, pretty much the same for quite a while with notions such as the underclass, mm -hmm. um, which uh, which again brought uh, a whole series of assumptions uh, with regards to the inhabitants of these these uh, territories of state abandonment, we might might call them this way. Um, as it is the case, I think, in a lot of other parts of Eastern Europe, also in the case of this neighborhood, what you can see that it had uh, it has a very long history of. Uh, of uh, attempts 
mm -hmm. for this kind of a proletarization of, 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 of its dwellers. And for quite a while, actually, it was intended to be, and to a certain extent, it actually became um, what you would call a workers' uh, mm -hmm. quarter. Sure. Um, which is important, I think, uh, in terms of even today, especially because uh, it's not just that you can see a huge variety of different forms of livelihood in such an environment, some of them belonging to what we may call, uh, you know, the formal or the informal economy, but it's equally important that, uh, that uh, such an urban area is, even today, um, um, provides a space for a wide variety of sharing and mixing mm -hmm. practices, including the mixing of Roma and non-Roma Romanian inhabitants themselves. So you can see a lot of cases of you know mixed marriages and mm -hmm. um, and um, and a lot of other forms of of of, of sharing, uh, which which uh, and mixing, which which I think is to clearly belong to this. Uh, it clearly belongs to this uh, to this uh, uh, strong working class heritage. Uh, even if, of course, you can say that in the case of this neighborhood, for example, it's very clear that uh, that uh, especially after the transition, it became one of those areas of Bucharest where uh, the concentration of um, of uh, at least officially unemployed uh, population was the highest. So mm -hmm. their concentration. But still, I think um, this kind of a working class heritage was important to me also when. Um, when I was looking at um, basically the ev the everyday strategies of cohabitation, mm -hmm. how people make a living possible in oftentimes quite impossible circumstances, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm telling you this just because throughout my analysis, including with respect to the issues of livelihood, I always try to depart from what I would call the most elementary forms of let's say, you know, exchange or, 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 mm -hmm. or making a living mm -hmm. and then go on and to see how, you know, like different scales uh, come into the picture, how, um, how um, you can see actually more and more complex varieties of certain livelihood practices very often embedded into uh, not just local or national, but even like transnational uh, uh, networks. Could you give an example? Uh, obviously, scrap metal trade is, mm -hmm. is is the best example for this, which is also um, uh, it, it also shows to you that in fact um, it is exactly the particularly marginal position of such a neighborhood that can make it so central, so crucial, if you wish, in much broader mm -hmm. uh, commodity chains. That are connecting, uh, you know, extremely uh, distant, distant uh, locations to one another. So you would have um, um, street-level collectors who walk around um, Bucharest and uh, and try to find scrap metal, and now also plastic waste, mm -hmm. actually bottles and all mm -hmm. this kind of thing. Um, uh, then you have these people who, um, going to local. Um, scrap metal traders who are running at, at least the people that I have been living with were running their own privately owned and otherwise legal um, um, scrap collecting sites where they buy the material mm. or uh, they would call it marfa, mar merchandise mm -hmm. from these uh, street level collectors and then they sell it in larger quantities 
to, to, to firms that are already handling scrap metal at an industrial level. And then, at least as it was at the time of my fieldwork, most part of this, um, this material, as I said already at this industrial level, actually gets to, um, to, to the seaside, to the seaside, the Black Sea coast, mm -hmm. where, where it is sold to all sorts of different foreign agents. Mm -hmm. um, uh, at the same time, if you read recent um, ethnographies of recycling, even from the US, mm -hmm. you can see uh, the extreme levels of, of of absorption of scrap metal, especially by China, uh, during yes. the last uh, yes. last uh, couple of years. Mm -hmm. So, in this sense, what uh, what um, you could see is the way in which uh, a, a neighborhood and a community, which is in local terms uh, marginalized, in extremely marginalized position. Mm -hmm. In fact, it is exactly this position which makes them, um, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 extremely important and in this sense truly central, yes, uh, uh, for, for, for in, in, a, in a much bigger, like, you know, economic, economic uh, structure or, 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 or context. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the reason why I thought that uh, scrap metal trade is, a, is, a, is an extremely important topic. Also because of, like, you know, the whole debate on, on recycling that you can see uh, evolving, especially more recently, the question of waste in general. I mean, um, uh, waste in itself, if you wish, it's something that uh, that uh, doesn't really, you know, have any value for a lot of people. And then what is actually interesting is to see, uh, in an ethnographic sense, to see those processes in which, uh, in fact, it can become something which, how do you say, like when, you actually manage to make something out of nothing, nothing right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of that kind of often quite miraculous, I would say, process. Mm -hmm. But but I should also add that there is a much kind of darker side to this whole story, um, which is which is primarily related to the very high levels of drug abuse mm -hmm. that you can see in such a neighborhood. And, um, and the fact that not just the authorities, but very often civil society organizations themselves are quite, um, how to put it, like puzzled. I mean, like they don't really have the means to combat sure. uh, many of these issues. And in a way, especially when, uh, when local, local drug addicts, many of them who were actually homeless people, became, um, um, became the providers of these traders, scrap metal traders, um, to me, I think it was also an interesting case of uh, how certain problems or urban ills, if you wish, that are structurally ac accumulated by a certain city or by a certain state or society are basically pushed at the margins. Mm -hmm. uh, so what is the solution, so to say, between quotation marks is that we engage with social problems such as for example the problem of, of drug abuse uh, by making it somehow invisible you know in the in the more uh, uh, decent or if you wish the more civilized parts <laughs> of the city and at the same time simply leave it accumulated um, in marginal territories where they have to be handled uh, by the locals themselves mm -hmm. with their own private or individual means mm -hmm. um, and 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 in a way I think uh, 
the way in which traders involved many of these people as their providers um, of scrap metal, uh, it was quite a good example of, of such a kind of, if you wish, self-initiated solution of, of, of social problems, which are obviously not mm -hmm. the responsibilities or like they're not the, they were not, you know, the people who actually created these problems, so mm -hmm. to say. Um, this was particularly clear uh, when, when, uh, when, because of the, because of the uh, appearance of the so-called uh, designer drugs or legal sure. high, um, um, actually the number of, 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 of uh, as I said, largely homeless drug users uh, really, you know, started to grow quite exponentially. It was exactly the part of, of the period of my field work. In the meantime, those shops that were legal shops otherwise, that were selling these substances, um, were closed down mm. in the city center you see, mm -hmm. making so resolving problems by making it invisible in mm -hmm. whatever you know decent parts of town. But in the meantime, these shops were actually running uh, for I think several more years uh, mm -hmm. in the neighborhood, which of course mean also meant that, uh, that the community of of, of addicts uh, uh, also kind of yeah started to concentrate mm -hmm. in the area. So in this sense, I would say that. Uh, scrap metal trade, if you wish, it was in my eyes, in my view, it was in itself quite a good example of not just this sort of a kind of you know um, self-initiated form of entrepreneurship or or, or, or or if you wish like this strange um, economical enterprise that is somehow in this gray zone, um, but also a very concrete effort to 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 engage with the uh, you know, possible solutions of social problems that were accumulated. By the state, but never resolved mm -hmm. by the state. Mm -hmm. in the so it seems to me that this Parentar Roma, mostly Roma. I mean, we don't know. I mean, it's it's sort of an unstable category, right? Who is a Roma, right? We've talked about this, but this let's say Roma community. It seems to be highly socially differentiated. And here I want to ask you, and I just about you know describe the society. I mean, how do what are the groups, uh, the social groups that you know that are out there? Obviously, you were probably with with one of the wealthier families, right? That yeah. I wouldn't say so. No, 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 no. They were not uh, the people that I have been um, uh, my acquaintances, so to say. Um, I don't think they really belong to the to the to the to the wealthiest strata. Mm -hmm. It's true that there are and certain entrepreneurs, including those that are working with scrap metal, who who became um, uh, quite wealthy, and uh, obviously it is primarily their houses. Mm -hmm. Shows you the kind of prestige they have, um, but to me, um, it was much more important to see um, the and to understand the livelihoods of of people that were who were regularly hanging out in the street somehow, mm -hmm. uh, relying on the street as a source of income and as a source of not just like you know material but also non-material value. Um, it's never just a question of you know the money that you generate, but it is always so many of these uh, forms of, of of exchange that I was mainly engaging with are also you know big time about respect and about the kind of you know like uh, reputation that mm -hmm. people have, and uh, and uh, and that's again a different aspect of how how um, um, exchange practices um, or if you wish these kind of local economies are. Are, are not just about, you know, like strictly understood material um, processes, but also also issues of personhood, basically. 
what mm-hmm. it how 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 do you create a, a, a sense of of your own personhood or your identity or the mm-hmm. kind of value that you uh, strive to obtain um, um, I should add again that um, I think, which I think again goes back to, to, the, to the earlier history of the neighborhood as a former workers' quarter, for a lot of people, and I think probably they are the ones who would be regularly called a kind of decent or civilized inhabitants. Obviously, uh, this kind of uh, hanging out uh, or, or, or like, you know, this kind of hustling, if you wish, in the street is something that they would strictly... Uh, avoid and they and they consider to be something that is really you know uh, um, it's not respectful not respectable at all um, and for many of them I think um, the neighborhood is truly a, a, a neighborhood of strangers um, they use it as basically the sleeping district and um, and uh, I was constantly having this problem during my field work since I was doing it you know totally on my own. Mm-hmm. And many of these groups are otherwise tend to be in quite antagonistic relationships with one another. Um, so in this sense, you take sides, so to say, mm-hmm. when when uh, when you decide uh, during a fieldwork, uh, uh, when you make your decision about who are going to be your primary informants. Um, uh, in this sense, my my reporting, my ethnographic writing, might be biased, basically as biased as any ethnography. Um, which is which is truly based on a particular standpoint mm-hmm. uh, that that an observer was able to to occupy or to to obtain. Um, but uh, but yes, I constantly try to to show this kind of a, this kind of a diversity. Also, because I think this kind of a diversity of livelihoods can be this uh, similar also in the life course of even a single person. Mm-hmm. So you may have someone who I don't know. Uh, you know, who, who was working in the construction industry, let's say, in a certain period, but later on moved into some form of illicit trade. Um, many people, for example, especially during the 1990s, if you wish, the kind of crazy 1990s, a lot of people were actually uh, these trader tourists, you know, like those people who were traveling to various countries in the region trying to to, to, to buy and sell all sorts of things with these were like, you know, video players, video nice. say yeah. players or, or, you know, um, soap or, or, or <laughs> just anything, you know. Um, um, Peddlers, yeah. Exactly. So, so this kind of, a, this kind of, a, the, if you wish, like petty trading was something that, uh, that uh, in this sense also kind of, you know, follows broader structural transformations. So the recent out-migration of Romanians to the European Union, to what extent did it build on these early 1990s networks in the case of the Roma? I mean, to what extent do we know the numbers? To what extent are Romas under or overrepresented among those Romanians who leave and work in Spain, work in Turkey? I mean, you, and then, you know, we can talk about Manela, right? You quote these Manela songs that, you know, one of them says like, all my wealth is coming from Spain, right? <laughs> or Italy, uh, what not? I mean, what's the role of diaspora? There is a huge diaspora now. Um, I cannot give you, unfortunately, I cannot give you exact statistical mm-hmm. uh, data on that. I don't even mm-hmm. really know if there is any reliable source in mm-hmm. this regard. But uh, well, it's true that um, that uh, there were those there were those uh, initiators, so to say, um, who 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 left. 
for the first time and then were followed by by many other people one mm -hmm. of the one of my closest acquaintance during my play was exactly this kind of a person who who ventured uh, and went to Spain he, literally on his foot I mean like he was brought by a by a smuggler on a bus uh, to France but then he actually walked himself through the mountains and arrived to Spain this huh. way um, and later on of course he was followed by uh, many of his family members and uh, and some of them already settled down in a certain part of Spain um, um, so yes I mean like these stories are absolutely present um, although I should add that um, that uh, uh, I had, if you wish, the misfortune of arriving a bit too late uh -huh. uh, to the neighborhood in the sense that uh, actually with many people my relationship uh, became, you know, as close, uh, close enough, so to say, at a certain point to make it possible for me, you know, to ask them to maybe, you know, to bring me with them, let me to, let me to, to join them, you know. Uh, to their trips abroad, um, but that actually it was exactly the time when many of them said that you know it makes no sense to to go abroad anymore because it's huge. There is a huge crisis in Spain also going on. Possibilities are way you know behind of where they were or how they were before. Um, mm. And and this is example, 2008, 2009. Exactly afterwards. So 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 one of the reasons why I mean like again these are just about the you know the the. the conditions of an ethnographic fieldwork, one of the reasons why I cannot claim to be a migrant migration scholar uh -huh. is, is, is you just couldn't as, go simple, with them, yeah. as simple as that. There goes your chance. But it's important that actually um, I don't think I don't think actually I've met uh, people who did not have some sort of a migration history, mm -hmm. or were not in a way or another connected to people who were living living abroad. So uh, this is again, I think it was very important for me uh, in, with regards to the assumption that we often have about the immobility of, of, of these marginal groups, which is which is pretty much uh, you know like the opposite of what I actually saw. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes people. Uh, could just simply, you know, um, come, come leave somewhere and then return uh, as quickly as the as the preparations were made for for their departure in the first place. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of movement going on in this sense. Sometimes uh, I truly felt like, you know, as if I would be in this neighborhood, as if I would be, you know, like the, some sort of a busy crossroads of of huge transnational networks. Uh, and not some sort of a hidden or marginal, marginal yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. So is it a Roma specificity or a minority specificity? I mean, the Roma, you know, are called travelers and, you know, so, I mean, you know, is it a, is it a community that preserved its mobility, its spatial geographical really mobility, or, or did it change during the Ceausescu years when they just could not go? No, I think it's a very, it's a very unfortunate, uh, very unfortunate misunderstanding when, mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Roma uh, are identified or associated with, with nomadism, um, especially in Eastern Europe, where, uh, as we all know, the huge majority of uh, of, of of these communities um, were living uh, completely settled uh, lives mm -hmm. for for many generations. 
so in this sense, I would strongly argue against any sort of an opinion or assumption that there was a sort of an inherited pattern or whatever cultural, you know, of heritage of, 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 of these kind of movements. It's, it's not the case. And it's very important to add that migration um, can be very uneven also within certain families. So you have people who maybe from the same family, you have people who actually never left anywhere because they had uh, work or other responsibilities at home while others, uh, you know, just kept on traveling um, so, so 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 this is definitely not just about uh, you know heritage or, or culture sure. in this in this respect um, I think there were certain uh, there were certain niches that uh, that that uh, they could fill uh, many many people were for example that I knew many many of them were actually doing quite similar things also abroad similar to what they were doing back home such as for example scrap metal trade or they could be street musicians in the case of families that were otherwise having a, 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 a heritage of, of music making sure. as a service pro as a form of service provision which then others from the younger generation continued already in a, in a migration related context um, um, so I think what you can see here uh, is that very often um, what seemed to be somehow culturally very, very specific um, or, or related to a certain group, of course, quite often these things are pretty much the opposite in the sense of, 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 of being, you know, like uh, very, very contemporary or in a way recently discovered responses to contemporary challenges. Yeah, so... Um... Do you have a favorite Manila song? Can we talk about Manila? Is it is it something that uh, that we can say belongs to the Roma community, or is it an artificial type uh, of music that's being sort of? I think it's again um, what you see is that um, is that uh, very often the association of uh, of um, for example such a music genre of genre popular music with Roma um, is, is, is a bit, uh, is a bit uh, uh, problematic because, because basically what it actually uh, uh, based on, this assumption it's actually based on is, is simply the uh, association of this uh, kind of such a genre with uh, low culture in general or if you wish cultural pollution. So again you see it's much more about, uh, much more about uh, a paternalistic, uh, partly, partly and obviously the on. general hostility that uh, that you have uh, very often against uh, um, such communities, even in the role of uh, cultural producers, and it's just even more paradoxical since, as we know, um, a huge majority of uh, average uh, non-Roma Romanians would also consume this kind of popular culture. Um, sometimes you would even see this. Um, unfolding in the course of a single event when uh, when uh, you may have someone at an earlier hour who strongly refuses um, um, such a form of popular culture as Manele uh, in the name of uh, educated and civilization uh, educated uh, yes uh, person's uh, point of view but maybe you know after a certain hour of the night yeah. uh, the same person might be you know the one who dances and uh, and uh, sings uh, the most 
these kind of songs. So this is quite a controversial thing, I think, which had a lot to do with cultural intimacy. Uh -huh. um, and also, it has quite a lot to do with this uh, very complex relationship that you have between um, the majorities of these societies in Eastern Europe and the Roma as a, as a minority that is historically present. It's another thing that I would really like to emphasize that, uh, especially more recently, it's quite common also in academic circles to create, you know, these comparisons between post-colonial migrants um, mm -hmm. in the West and the Roma in Eastern Europe, which is, again, uh, quite a problematic assumption as mm -hmm. it ignores the fact of all those hundreds of years um, that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that have passed in our parts of the world with uh, some sort of a cohabitation of these, sure. these, these, these groups together. So quite often what you see for the same reason, especially when it comes to, 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 to the lower classes or the popular classes of these societies, is that differences uh, literally uh, you know, have to be insisted into relevance, or if you wish, differences are mainly emphasized in order to, in order to to, to play down resemblances mm -hmm. which are there otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I think cultural consumption or the, or the relationship, the social relationship to a form of popular culture such as Manele is a pretty good example to this kind of strange kind of paradox in the fiction. Sure. Proximity and distance at the same time. Do you have a favorite Manele song? I had several favorite songs. Um, but I have to admit to you that um, that perhaps the most important song to me was not a, not a, not a recent Manele song, but an old piece of um, what you would call the music of the neighborhood uh, of the Mahalas, um, and this song uh, was even um, it was even quite, the lyrics itself especially was quite important even for my argument mm -hmm. if you wish in a way. I can say that my dissertation is partly a sort of longer <laughs> elaboration. Explain on a Manela song. Okay, let's try to find it. Uh, yes. How do I... Uh, what do I Mahana type? Mahana Shitsigania, Florica Ma Roshioru. All right, yeah, yeah. Found it. Nie, eh, eh. The first eh, one. No. Okay, so I'm typing it and this is it. Okay, so let's listen to it. And you have to translate. Okay, oh, there's a translation. Okay. Okay. Mahala and Gypsyland, since I entered you, there is no meat left on my bones. There there is no meat left on my bones.
the little that is left, oh, all is all burnt and all is roasted. If I try to weigh it, I don't even find a little bit. Not a little bit, not one gram, because enemies ate it up. So what does this song mean, Gerger? Basically, you see it's a extremely poetic elaboration of, uh, of uh, the metaphor of, uh, of hell. Mm -hmm. Uh, the imagination of uh, of uh, such territories of abandonment as similar to to hell, basically, mm -hmm. where where uh, where basically it's, uh, it's the responsibility or if you wish the job, the task of each individual to find the means and find the mm -hmm. ways of uh, not just survival but also some form of dignity mm -hmm. or, or value. Um, and uh, in this sense, to avoid the absorption mm -hmm. by uh, the otherwise, in many respects, uh, impossible conditions that are out there. Uh, so in this sense, it was quite important for me, especially when I started uh, uh, considering the issues of, of value and personhood mm -hmm. in my own work. Sure. Gergio Pulay, thank you very much. <laughs>